Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Thank you for your sweet, precious presence. Thank you for honoring us with your presence, Lord. You're so good and you're so kind and you're so faithful. And your mercy stretches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. And Lord, it's such an honor for us to be able to serve you. We delight in you, Father. We rejoice in you. We celebrate you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. You're so good to us. You are so good to us. Thank you, Father, that your word says that you reign on the just and the unjust. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that your ways are higher than our ways, which are your ways of mercy and grace. You said, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy. We thank you, Father, that you reached out to us, that you loved us first, that you sent Jesus, you commissioned him from the foundation of the world, he was crucified just for us. Lord, we, there's no way we can ever repay you. But we give you our heart. We give you all that is in us. We give you our hands and our feet and our mouth. And Lord, do the work in us. Touch us, change us, rearrange us. Burn out everything of the world. Burn out everything of the enemy. Brand Jesus in our heart. May the world see him through us. Lord, we're so honored that you would choose to use us. May we always give you all the glory and honor. May we always bring you glory in everything that we say and everything that we do. For you are indeed worthy. There is no one like you in the heavens and the earth, and you are worthy of all the praise and all the honor, all the glory. And we give you all of it now. In Jesus' name, say this with me. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. good. You know what the Lord had me do from before even the lockdown, but he, he prompted, he, 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 he prompted my, me in, the, in my heart every day to wake up and say, 
Lift up my hands and say, Lord, this is the day that you have made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That makes all the difference in the world to your day when you start it with, this is your day, Lord. This is your day. So I heard somebody, I was listening to somebody recently, and they were saying that that was referring to Jesus coming and potentially Jesus return. It's like his day. Well, Every day is his day because he said, today is the day of salvation. Today, this word of God is fulfilled in your ears. Today, God is willing every day. He's ready every day. He's able every day. And every day is your day. His mercies are new every morning. Whatever you need, hallelujah. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday, today. Today is his day. Today is your day because it's his day. Hallelujah. And today is always a good day for a breakthrough. Today is always a good day for a change. Today is always a good day to go up higher. Today is always a good day for a new door to open. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Today is always a new, a new day, a, a good day for a fresh start. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today is a good day to see the desires of your heart come to pass. Today's a good day to see God move and, and work on your behalf, hallelujah. With favor and blessing and increase and multiplication, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you, give them a hug or a high five and tell them I'm glad I'm here, I'm glad you're here. We're gonna just refresh where we were going this morning. So I want us to go back to Genesis 13. Every interaction that any one of us has with the Lord, any, any person, any human being created in God's image, any interaction we have is always a reaction. Every interaction we have with God is a reaction. The Bible says that love is not about us loving God, it's about that God loves us. Everything else is just, a, our love for Him is a response to His love, and He wants us to know that. He wants us, He wants to make it very clear. He loved us first. So sometimes, you know, we can get into a I love you more competition. I love you, I love you more. I love you, I love, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. So my husband decided, I have no say in it, he loved me more, and that's it. So I have to just be, be good with that. But, but, you know, it's a good competition to have, right? But God is very emphatic, I loved you first. Yes. I saw you first, I, because, how does, he get, how does he get to do that? He created us, he made us. He, he knew of each and every one of us. He knew each and every one of us. Before even the foundation of the earth, he already knew us. And he had already counted every hair in your head. And you, 
everything about you inside out. He knows more about you than you know about you. Amen. And so it's always God is the one that's initiating, always God, the one that's reaching out. Now, that is totally contrary to what religion tells you. It's like religion, the way, the, the picture that, that religion paints is this God in the heavens and he's just like, you know, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing up there. It's like nothing, obviously. If you're in the religious church, God's doing nothing. Amen. Because if something starts coming alive in a religious church, they freak out and call it the devil. I mean, can you believe people think joy is of the devil? Because we have joy in church, we're of the devil. Because we speak in tongues, we're of the devil. But if we have a dead church, it's perfectly fine. That's so screwed up. But you know, to the natural carnal, do you want carnal, carnal, the Bible talks about carnal mind. Carnal, carne is flesh. So your meathead, your meathead thinks it's a good idea to have a dead religious service. Your meathead thinks it's a good idea to be sad and sour. But God says, in my presence is fullness of joy. At my right hand, pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. He's good. He's kind. He blesses. He chooses to bless us before, before we even thought about being blessed, before we even asked him. It was his idea. So if all things work according to what the Lord wants, we are free, we are blessed, we are overcomers, we have, we, we have no worries, we have no cares. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack, I, I have water, I, have, I can lie down and go to sleep, I can rest because he's watching over me. He's, he, he, put, he lays his whole table out and my cup is running over. I mean, everything's always running over with the Lord. It's always exceedingly abundantly. It's always high, much higher, much bigger, much everything else. That's if God has his way, amen. What do you think the Garden of Eden was like? A little bit of heaven on earth, hallelujah. Well, a little bit of heaven's come to live on the inside of you. You carry heaven. You carry his presence. Amen. So if God has his way, you'll be blessed. He says, I record before heaven and earth today, this day. For, every, for each person, he wrote it back then. I mean, it was written down then for them. But it, it, he's speaking it to you this day. This is your this day. I record before heaven and earth this day. I set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life. And by extension, blessings. So, what's stopping the blessing? Well, when you're not born again, God at least watches over you. Amen. How many of you are, are glad he, he was kind to you when you were unsaved? He reigns on the just and the unjust. He, he, he takes care of all of his creation. It's the love of God that opens up people's hearts to receive him. That's why the devil loves to tell that lie about how terrible God is and God's gonna send you to hell. And everybody thinks they're gonna go, uh, you know, go to hell and have a party with the devil. They don't wanna be with God because it's too boring and, too, and God's too mean. And, and God kills and he steals and he 
No, Jesus said that it's the enemy, the, the thief that kills and steals and destroys. He said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And everywhere that he goes, and then and once Jesus was raised from the dead and men and women were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, it talks about everywhere the, the disciples went was joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. They were full of joy in the Holy Spirit and joy, joy, joy. You just take a concordance and look up joy and rejoice and see the thread through the Word of God. And Jeremiah talks about, and, and, and Isaiah talks about it, Ezekiel talks about it. Everywhere where he talks about God saying, telling his people, begging them, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. He's, he talks about joy. He talks about the trees of the field clapping their hands. He, talk, he talks about all kinds of joys and delights and blessings. I mean, what, 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 is, what, what does he have to do to get it through to us that he wants to bless us? That we can just enjoy his presence and enjoy his blessings. Amen. Amen. But it's the foul devil of religious spirit of poverty that lied to people and told them that they needed to be poor, to be humble, and to be holy. No, in the Bible does it tell you that. The Bible says, charge the rich of the world. In other words, command the rich people to be givers and to bless. And then they're gonna lay up treasure in heaven, and then according to every other scripture, they're gonna be super duper blessed here on the earth as well. Hallelujah, because if you give, it'll be given. Whatever you sow, that's what you're gonna reap. Amen. And so God is not, he doesn't have a problem with you having stuff, he has a problem with stuff having you. Because he puts covetous right up there with fornication and witchcraft and everything else. Thou shalt, all through the New Testament talks about, you know, not murdering and you know, stealing and covetousness is right there with every people, are people who won't go to, won't go to heaven. Covetousness. Well, what does that mean? Because they, they put their material wealth above God. They made all the, their stuff more important to God. And, and because the devil lies to people, they think if they receive Jesus, they've got to give up all their stuff. You don't give up anything. You could give it all to him, he just give it back to you. Amen. Times 10. Or maybe 30, 40, 50, 60, and 100. Hallelujah. Because you can't outgive God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the light of his word. Amen. Amen. That sets us free. So we, we've always preached on the blessing. And then God's blessed us so much. We had to come back multiple times to our church and say, we didn't tell you how big. I mean, we didn't even tell you. I know you think we're crazy talking about billions of dollars, but, but it's bigger than that. Amen. We've had to tell you it's bigger than that. When we've seen the hand of God and the blessing, it's bigger. He's even bigger than what we've been telling you. He's even bigger. He's even greater. He's even more awesome. But we, we took the oath of blessing. That people took oath of, you know, vows of poverty. What a lie of the devil. But some of those men, some of those people probably didn't need to have any money because they got no scruples either. Amen. But we took an oath of blessing because my Bible tells me I am blessed and a blessing. 
God blessed Abraham, and the Bible says, I am Abraham's seed. And he said, I'm going to greatly bless you. And he left his father's house with his wife and a couple of animals, I guess, and a couple of servants. And he ended up, he ended up with so much wealth that his own household went and defeated a bunch of kings to go get Lot back because they took him. His own household. He was exceedingly wealthy. Jacob, you couldn't keep the dude down. He made a covenant with God. God, God visited him like he visited Abraham, which we're going to see in a minute. God came to Jacob. God came to Abraham. God came to Isaac. God came to Jacob. God came and found each of them and reiterated his promise that he had made. And Jacob said, Lord, if you do these things, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always tithe. I'll never not tithe, Lord. I will always tithe. If you take care of me, I will always tithe. Laban cheated him over and over and over and over and over. He worked seven years for the first wife, and he gave him the other one. So he worked, he, he worked seven years for the next one, and Laban still didn't want to let him go. But anyway, and then they, they, they halved his wages, and then they, they, they took stuff away from him, and then they said, oh, you can have the speckled ones, and then they took all the speckled ones out, and then God just made speckled ones anyways. Talking about the animals, <laughs> not his kids. <laughs> but no one could keep the dude down. He kept rising to the top. No one could keep Joseph down. I mean, your own family betrays you and sells you? Well, they wanted to kill him. And then one of them was like, let's not do that. Let's sell him as a slave. Was, oh, thank you very much. But God had a plan. Amen. And then part of his silly wife, and then he's in jail, and everybody forgot about him. He could have had a really crummy attitude. He could have started thinking God wasn't on his side because it sure didn't look like it. Everything kept going wrong. But you know what? I really think some of that was God was doing the work in him. Some of the rough things that you walk through are the things actually that force you to press in to God and through that you build character. Amen. Because the rough things you walk through in life alone can't mold your character, but it's how you respond to it. And if you, if you turn to the, the flesh and you get offended and you get mad and you get angry and you get bitter and you try to fix it yourself, you're going to fail. But if you go, Lord, you know what? I need your help and just show me what to do. And you just, wherever you find yourself, you just do what's right. You have integrity. You, you, you just submit to God and say, look, look, I know you're never wrong, must be me, so whatever needs to happen, I need to fix it. How many of you are aware of that? God is never in the wrong. He's never wrong. So we know if something's going wrong, that we, should, we have to look in the mirror and go, something's wrong with me. Amen. And that was the difference between Saul and David. When Saul blamed everybody else and took no responsibility for what he did. So first God said, your sons will not sit on the throne. He, he was totally fine with that. 
The second transgression, God said, you're gonna, your butt's going to get off the throne. That's it, because I've raised up somebody else. A man after my own heart, David. David screwed up so bad and had a guy murdered for his wife. That's why he couldn't build the temple, because he had that blood on his hands. It wasn't the blood of all his warring and fighting that he had to do just to stay alive when Saul was trying to kill him. But because he killed Uriah, he was not allowed to build the temple. Of course, we all know he just, he said, well, I can't build it, I'm going to fund it. So he funded it, and Solomon built it. But when Nathan confronted uh, David, what did he do? He immediately repented. Immediately, immediately. And we, and we see in Psalm, I believe Psalm 51, where he said, Lord, your judgments are faultless. Basically, I'm the one that's wrong, and you are right. And I think he was actually relieved to actually have it out there, because it was bugging him. Amen. And he made it right with God. And he, he died in a good old age, contented and happy and fulfilled, having done what God called him to do. Amen. So thank God for redemption. But, but it's always God is never at fault. We're the ones that need to make the adjustment. So in Genesis 13 and verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had left him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your posterity forever. And I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth, so that if a man could count the dust of the earth, then could your descendants also be counted. Arise. Walk through the land, the length and the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. The story right before this, in fact, if you look at verse 2 of that passage, it says, now, Abram was extremely rich in livestock, silver and gold. And then verse 6 says, and the land was not able to nourish and support all of them, them him and Lot and all of their, all of their, well, let's, let's, let's read, if you read verse, verse five, but Lot who went with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land, and he was blessed because he was with Abraham. Yeah. Hallelujah, when you're blessed, everybody around you just gets blessed. Yeah. They just, they get all the drops of blessings that come off of you, and they, they, get, they get to participate too. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why you're blessed in a blessing. Everywhere you go, everybody gets blessed. Now the land was not able to nourish and support them so they could dwell together for their possessions were too great for them to live together. And there was strife between their herdsmen. And so Abram said, listen, we're family. We're not gonna fight. Maybe our, our guys are fighting. We're not gonna fight. Let's, he said, look, there's, look at all this land. Let's just separate out so that we have room for all your herds, my herds, and so our guys are not fighting with each other. And so, Really, Lot should have said to the elder man, his uncle, you choose, and I'll take the leftovers. It didn't even occur to him. Lot looked around, saw this lush valley, and was like, I'm heading down there. And Abraham didn't even worry about it. He turned around and just went the other way. 
That's a giver. That's a person who's not afraid because he knows God's on his side. Amen. Amen. He knew God was for him. He was already, he was already so blessed. You know, the problem with most people is they're, they get blessed, but they're not even happy. They're, not happy. they're never happy. It doesn't matter how much they have, they're never happy because it's not a money problem, it's a heart problem. Everything is always a heart problem. Every bit of strife, every bit of confusion, every bit of discord, every bit of everything in your life is a heart problem. And that's when, at that point, the Lord looked at Abram and he said, lift up your eyes and look. And you see all of this, I'm gonna give this to you and your descendants. He didn't say I'm gonna give it to you and Lot. He said I'm gonna give it to you and your descendants through Isaac. You know, it's funny because obviously there was a purpose in everything that God did, but it took 25 years from the time the Lord first spoke to him about a son for Isaac to be manifested. And so what was happening for 25 years was God was building Abram's faith. And God was building Abram's faith. The Bible talks about how, how, how strong Abram's faith was that he hoped against hope. When there was no hope at all, when there was nothing left, there was no way in the natural for it to happen, and then God did it. And, it, and you know, the Bible talks about that extremely strong faith that he had. Well, God needed to develop that faith he needed to have that faith in that Isaac would come because there was gonna be a time that God asked him to offer up Isaac. Not because God likes to kill babies, not at all, but it was a covenant that was being cut between man, Abraham, representing you and me, and God, because if you understand anything about covenant, what's yours is mine and what mine is yours. And so God asked for Abraham's son and he, he the Bible says he was willing to, he, he, he had so much faith in the promise of God that he knew that God would raise his son up from the ashes. He believed God would, he, if he killed him and burned him, God would raise that kid up from the ashes. That's faith. That's not just raising someone up from the dead, that's raising someone up that's been burned to ashes. That was, that was his faith. But God stopped his hand and he said, it's okay, I'm gonna send mine. And Abraham had already prophesied it, that God will provide a lamb. God will provide the lamb, and that was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There was something so incredibly powerful that was happening there. But in the meantime, his wife had a terrible idea. Let's have a baby with Hagar. And of course, Hagar got a snotty attitude because she had the baby and her mistress didn't. Anyway, I thought of something funny, but I won't say it. I'm trying to think how the Bible phrases it, but in Proverbs, I believe it's Proverbs, it talks about, maybe Psalms or Proverbs, where it talks about, uh, you know, something that's hard to tolerate or hard to bear, and that's a maid, you know, who's going to inherit from her, her mistress. So it's a maid that thinks she's something, and, but she doesn't deserve it. 
But anyways, so that was kind of Hagar's Sarah. Then things didn't go so well. Then Sarah was like, get rid of her and get rid of him. But you know, it was all in the plan of God anyways, to give us types and shadows. God knew. You know, like I said, I can't remember if it was today or yesterday. <laughs> but we think we make decisions, and then we look and we realize how God's hand was in everything. Amen. And guiding us and leading and, and, and uh, working the whole thing out for us. And so... Anyways, so Ishmael comes, but then God, what's so, so cute, because I kind of think of God coming to Abraham and going, okay now, can I explain something to you? When I said to you, I'm gonna give you a son, I meant you and your wife, not some other floozy. Sarah is your wife. How did you not know the baby was coming through Sarah? She's your wife. Why would I give you a baby with some other woman? I'm gonna give you a baby with your wife. Sarah's gonna have a baby, amen. <laughs> okay, I just thought I'd throw that in. I just, that's the picture I see, it's like, Abraham, what's the matter with you? I mean, like, you know, I thought you'd understand that the baby was coming with Sarah, not, not some maid from who knows where, anyways. Okay, let's carry on, sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I'm having too much fun here. Anyways. So he said, walk through it, the length, the breadth. So like I said to you this morning, when I was, I was going for a walk, getting into my 10,000 steps a week or so ago, and I, I heard the Lord say, with your eyes you see the future, and with your feet you take the promise. Because it's one thing, well first you do have to see it. If you don't see it, you have to see it. You have to see it. If you don't see it, you have nothing to aim for, right? You have nothing to head for. You have no, so, so it's the, having the vision is very important. Knowing what it is you're supposed to be looking for or looking at. Knowing where you're going. Knowing the direction, it's very important, amen. So we have to see. So, what we do is, if you don't see, then you pray and you seek the Lord until you see. Because God called Abraham to come out from his family and just, he just said, pack up and go. This guy is a remarkable guy. He didn't even know where he was going, he just packed up and he left looking for a city that, whose builder and maker was God, the Bible says. He just packed up and left on this trip. There wasn't a McDonald's. Oh, we'll just get food on the way. I mean, you gotta take everything with you. You gotta have a plan. You gotta go somewhere. You gotta, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You gotta figure some stuff out. He just picked up everything and left. And when he's out there, he's just getting more and more blessed because God said, I bless you. So he's just getting, he's just hanging out out there and he's getting blessed. And of course, in the Lord, then the Lord grabs a hold of him at this moment. And you see, if he had looked with his natural eye and considered things in the flesh and in the natural and saw the beautiful valley down there, he would have missed out on this, entire, this land over here. So he wasn't trying to help God. 
he was just, God just told him. He just did what God had told him to do, and he's just carrying on, and he's just being Abraham. And he let Lot choose over there. Fine, you go over there, I'll go over here. No problem. I mean, he was a man of faith. He must have known and believed God's word to him that said, I'll bless you. It doesn't matter where you go, I'll bless you. And whoever blesses you, I'll bless. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. So in other words, I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to protect you. Nobody can touch you because I'm going to deal with them. You see, it's one thing for God to give you a word. It's another thing for you to actually believe it and act like it. Because a lot of us talk, talk, but when it comes down to it, we act like we don't believe it. We act like he's not on our side. We act like he hasn't spoken to us. We act, we act like there is no promise. So you have to believe it by committing to it and acting on it. Amen. And sometimes acting on something isn't doing something. It's just standing still. When they were at the Red Sea and the Red Sea in their back and the Egyptian army coming at them, what did, what did Moses say? He said, stand still. Sometimes faith is just standing still. Be still and know that I am God. Just he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God will save you today. Stand still, calm down. Stop panicking, stop freaking out. Have you seen the movies, they freak out and someone goes, slaps them. Nobody likes to get slapped, but sometimes you need a slap from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Be quiet. Shut up. Stand still. Calm down. Get a grip. Close your mouth. Most of our problem is our running mouth. What are we going to do? 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 I'm not looking at any girls in the room. But sometimes boys are worse than the girls. When a boy's like that, it's worse than a girl. Anyways. I know boys are freaking out on the inside, but they have to be like big and strong, tough, so just, anyway. But sometimes faith is standing still. Sometimes it's speaking, sometimes it's commanding, sometimes it's going, sometimes it's doing, sometimes it's standing still. You have to follow the peace. Follow the pe Don't live out of your head. Your head is all over the place. Live out of your spirit. Listen to your heart. Your whole world can be crashing down around your ears. You can hear horrendous news. Go with the peace. When they told me, your daughter's only gonna live till four years old, I didn't feel it. I did not feel that. I said, no, she's not. She will not be dead by four years old. I know it, here. She will not. I said, she's going to be okay. And the little Christian social worker went from trying to encourage us to, to get us, she wanted us to freak out. Didn't the doctors tell you how bad it is? I'm like, I think they did. 
I think I got the point. I think I understand. They told me my child's gonna die by the time she's four. I think I heard what they said. But she's gonna be okay. Because my heart tells me she's gonna be okay. You have to shut your head up. That's why it's good to pray in tongues a lot. Because then that calms your brain down and then you can hear what God is trying to say to you. God does not speak to your head. He doesn't. The devil will be happy to put all kinds of thoughts in your head. And your head can think up all kinds of ridiculous stuff all by itself. How many know what I'm talking about? All right. God speaks to your heart. Listen to your heart. He deals with your heart. Listen to your heart. With your eyes, you see the future. With your feet, you take the promise. So it's no good just to look. You've got to get up and do what God's told you to do to accomplish that thing. Amen, whatever that it is. You cannot just longingly look at it. When you walk on it, it becomes yours. You see it with the eye of faith, but you activate it with your action of obedience. Of course, whenever God tells you something, there's a direction, but there's also a timing. So God shows him the land, but there was a timing for him to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't the time for him to go in and take the land over yet. There were some other things that needed to happen. So it was like, it was like when we got married, in fact, I knew that Rodney was the one that I was supposed to marry. He, heard, he prayed and heard an audible voice that said, that's your wife. I did not hear an audible voice. I didn't even know about the audible voice. I, can't, I don't even know when he told me about it because he, he never used it to manipulate me. He never said, well, I heard an audible voice and you're marrying me whether you like it or not. Because I, I've watched people manipulate like that. Well, God told me and you're marrying me and I'm, you know. Hey, you don't marry someone who doesn't want to marry you. They gotta, get, they gotta be in agreement or forget about it because otherwise you're gonna be divorced in eight months. I can guarantee it. You can't force a girl to marry you. You can't force a guy to. Just every, everybody's gotta agree. Amen. Everybody's gotta see it. So the day that the Lord showed me we were sitting and talking, and he'd already said to me, you know, we'd already discussed ministry and stuff, and then he's like, well, we just need to get married. I'm, need, I'm like, we need to get, what? <laughs> we're not even dating. We're just like really, really, really good friends. I mean, I know I love you from here, and I never felt that for anybody. Well, I didn't tell him that, but I told my mother that. So I love him from here. I don't, you know, I'm not dating him or marrying him, but I love him from here. I'm only 18. I told the, guy, the Lord, no boyfriends. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about that. I thought I'd get married when I'm 24, and like my mother did. So, you know, this is all like kind of out of the blue. And, um, but I had an idea of how things were gonna be. And so when he said, we're, we just need to get married, my idea didn't line up with what he was saying to me. Who needs to date? <laughs> Dating? is not going all the way. A date is you go coffee and you get to know somebody. That's a date, okay? So we establish that right here. 
Amen. We don't do things backwards like the world does. <laughs> Less complicated that way. You gotta get to know someone. It takes you at least three months of talking to them, getting to know them, maybe even some people longer. Get to know them. And then you'll see, I like this person, the more I know them, the more I like them, or okay, I got to know them now and I'm getting out of here. And you need to know that, amen. It's good to know that. Don't get married when you're Twitter-pated. You'll make a wrong decision. You're infatuated, you see nothing wrong. You need to see stuff and still marry them because you know that you know that they're the one. Amen. When I, see, when I say see stuff, I see stuff about their character, <laughs> not other stuff. <laughs> this conversation could go south really fast. <laughs> Anyways, we'll have to get back to Abraham in a minute. But it was <laughs> the one when he, he <laughs> we were sitting talking and he, because I, you know, I, I thought he was too nice. I thought he was too sweet. I thought he's not strong enough for me. <laughs> See, everybody thinks it's hilarious. Because <laughs> we all know him now. <laughs> but he was such a gentleman and he was so kind and sweet and I thought he's too He's too soft, he's, you know. Anyway, and I had one of those wanting to marry me. I would have had to wear the pants in the house and make all the decisions, and I, I did not want to marry that. I wanted to marry someone who would, you know, be the head of the house and not try to make me the head of the house. Anyways, so, so he started talking about what he's called to. He said, I'm called to travel. I'm like, I'm called to travel. Felt that my whole life, even before I got saved. He said, I'm called to America. I'm like, oh! I love America, I wanna to go to America. I'm not even saying this all out loud, I'm just, he just, he's saying it and I'm responding <laughs> to myself. And he's saying, the Lord showed me on his preaching arenas, and I'm like, I'll watch you do that. Because I didn't wanna get up and preach in front of five people, never mind an arena. And, um, and then uh, he said, I, I just wanna, I just wanna show people Jesus. I just wanna see them saved, healed, and delivered. I just wanna do what God's telling me to do. And, you know, get people saved. It wasn't prideful at all, it was very humble. And as he was saying that, it was like all the pieces, the jigsaw puzzle of my life came in, into focus. And it's like I was looking in a mirror and I could see the two of us together and our destinies were exactly the same. Amen, exactly the same. And then, I, then I, now I'm saying, all I remember is under the anointing and I'm crying and fire of God's on me, and then, and I didn't even say it out loud, but by faith, because I'm seeing this, but it's still, because my head's still thinking, but I'm only 18 years old, you know, and, and by faith I said, okay, Lord, I'll marry him. It still did not make sense in my head, but I said it out of my spirit, by faith, 
And the moment I did, every, every bit of confusion left that I had, I was confused for two weeks trying to work it out between my heart and my head and I fasted for three days and there was like no clarity until that moment. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll marry him and complete peace hit me. I was drunk in the Holy Ghost, I think. I remember us walking around sort of official, holding hands and people probably talking to me. I can't remember what I even, how I responded. Because All I remember was being overwhelmed by the presence of God and going, really? <laughs> You're serious? This is it. This is the most life changing decision in my life besides asking Jesus into my heart, the person you're gonna marry, it's forever determines your destiny, your eternity, who you marry, in a sense. But for sure, your destiny. And it's like, but I had an overwhelming peace. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew because I saw it. It was my lift up your eyes and look moment. I saw it, but then I had to act on it, and we got engaged, we got married, amen, and I had to commit, and then I had to, you know, and then you have to do all the things that make a marriage work, and you've got to commit to it, and you've got to commit, and I committed to, to being the wife of a traveling minister, we're going to travel, where the kids are going to be born, and they're coming on the road, and they're going to fit into our schedule, and then between zero and two, let me tell you, you fit into theirs, but they came on the road with us in any case, amen. So Kirsten, was, we came off the road, I think like three days or something and she was born because she came early, two weeks early and um, always in a hurry. <laughs> and uh, two weeks after she was born, we were back on the road and went everywhere with her and then we had Kelly, we, we, we started a church and ran that for two years and then uh, Kelly was born, and then we went and worked for a Bible school for two years, and Kenneth was born. So Kirsty was our road baby, Kelly was our pastoring baby, and Kenneth was our Bible school baby. But for six years, God was teaching us what everything we're doing now. He prepared us for then. We did it small, and now we're doing it big. But he was preparing us. And we're, we're, we know we're called to America. We've seen it, but it wasn't the timing. It's so important to wait for the timing. It's so important when God says go, don't hesitate. You know, before we did New York, Madison Square Garden, I had, I had an encounter with God where I was standing in a very big room and we, 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 were, we were having church was the... This was, I mean, I was really in church. The church wasn't the vision, but I was in church, and we just finished worship, and I, I was standing there like this, and I, I was up on the, the platform, and I couldn't move. And I'm standing with my eyes closed, but it was like my eyes were open, and I'm seeing this very big room that I'm in, which is the sun dome, and I saw it get even bigger. It got, you know, it got, it just moved, the sides went out, and the roof went out, it got huge. And I said, Lord, what? And he said, I'm enlarging you on the inside, and I knew something's coming down the road, and I don't have time to, for details. I don't have time to think about it. I don't have time to go, well, how are we gonna do that? It was like I saw this train coming in the station and it didn't stop, but it just slowed down. The doors were open and I had to run and jump on that train or I was gonna miss, we were gonna miss something. So I knew I have to move, when, this, when I see the train, I gotta jump on the train. And then quite a few months later, Pastor Rodney had this, this intense, spiritual dream that was on a par with the one he had when God called him to ministry as like a 12 or 13 year old, 
where he was weeping for souls and woke up with his pillow wet and, and he was weeping over New York and speaking to Billy Graham and he knew, he said, I've got, I have to go, we have to go do a soul winning crusade in New York. And I knew this is the big thing. I knew this is the big thing. And so I had to um, not even think about it, not because my, you know, he, he's all the, always the one coming up with the big ideas and I'm going, okay, well, what about this and what about this and what about this because I'm the detail person. And you have to have details. You, you, it's, you have to have the vision first. But if you don't have people helping you fill in the details, we're so grateful for all, for, you know, I mean, Eric and Jennifer had to be the detail person. They had to go in the ground. They had to make it happen. They had to, you know, they had to do all of those things for us. And everybody else and all the volunteers and everybody that gets involved and does. And, and you know, from, from the people who, you know, clean the toilets and do the carpets and all the details have to be taken care of and somebody's got to do that. But so we do that as a team. Amen. And, but anyways, anyway, I'm saying, talking about all toilets, but um, the fact of the matter is it's like you can be a Mary or you can be a Martha, but you need to just be what Jesus has called you to be. Amen. And take your place and don't try to be something you're not. But uh, anyway, so the Lord, it, New York was another, it was a whole amazing story, but the Lord said, you know, act like it's going to happen. Just move ahead like it's going to happen. Like I said to you this morning, the only time your duckies get in a row is when you're moving. So you have to start moving towards it, then everything starts lining up. It's always going to be, it's always, let me tell you right now, it's always going to be like that. It is always, always, always going to be like that. So you people who have to see it before you believe it, all you Thomases, right? You got to see it. You have to have little duckies lining Listen, I know people with the most greatest gift on their life and they've done nothing with it because they didn't move until everything was laid out for them. Nothing is gonna be laid out for you. It is a walk of faith. Well, when I say nothing, nothing is gonna be laid out for you that you can see. You've gotta start taking it with your feet. You've gotta start moving, you've gotta start going, you've gotta start acting, you've gotta start preparing. When, when we were preparing to come to America, we had no money. Pastor Rodney's uh, salary was 1,800 bucks and he had just gotten a raise, it was 1,600 a month, and the tickets were almost $15,000, or $14,000, no, it was almost 15, 14,000, 13,809, and uh, so, I mean, that's like nearly 10 times his salary. Put that in perspective, where do you, where you think you're gonna get that from? Amen. So that's like you earning 3,000 bucks a month and you need air tickets worth 30,000. Same thing. And so I, I said to the Lord, what do you want me to do? I, do I need to confess? Do I need to pray? What do I need to, what do, I need to do to, to help? And the Lord said, it's, I got it handled. Rodney and I are taking care of it. We got it worked out. You just pack. I'm like, okay, I can do that. So sometimes you got to pray and sometimes you got to pack. Amen. Amen. Well, you got to pray. Pray while you pack. But but it was like, the Lord just wanted me, just, just pack, just move. So when it's time to move, when God says move, so you know we say pray like it all depends on God and then get up and work like it all depends on you, but you've gotta go the right timing. You can't, you gotta go when that wind's at your back. That's when, that's when the momentum is there. So you've got, you'll feel a Holy Ghost momentum. You, you might feel like a Holy Ghost stopping you from, from doing something. Listen to it. It'll save your life. Amen. Boy, the Holy Ghost momentum. Like, you know, I mean, there's things that we were backing out of and we felt God's hand in our back. And he said, I want you to, I want you to do this. I want you to take this. 
So you've got, to, you've got to be sensitive to what the Holy Ghost is telling. But timing is important. So you've got to see. You've got to lift up your eyes and look. But the Holy Ghost has got to show you. And you're going to see it by looking down here. And you're not going to see it looking at the things of the flesh. And you're not going to see it trying to figure out in your mind how you're going to do it. Because some of you, you, you feel like, you know, the Lord's calling you and, and you're going to be doing something. But you're so busy getting your mind engaged. Listen, when the Lord touched me with the joy, well, the thing he said to me is, stop thinking about it, just let me do it. And that's when I had a breakthrough. You just gotta stop thinking about it and just let God do it. Follow your spirit. Your head will just get you all messed up. Your head's good for some things, right? Things the natural and know what, you know, get dressed, brush your teeth. But you've got to follow your, you've got to live out of your spirit. And Pastor Rodney's been saying that all the time, but it's like, it feels like it's becoming more real to me than ever. Live out of your spirit. Live out of your spirit. Especially from coming out of last year. Live out of your spirit. Live out of your, obey, you've got, because the world is upside down. Things are nuts. Things are crazy. Things are wild right now. We got a little holy bubble here of freedom. Amen, and liberty. Out there, it's nuts. <laughs> so, so it's so important that we, we live out of our spirit. The day Pastor Rodney got arrested, you know, we knew things, something was happening, things were coming down. I woke up and I said, Lord, we need your wisdom today. We cannot afford to just make a decision and just do what we think we need. We, we need you to tell us what to do. We need you to move on our behalf. We need you to stand up for us, and we need you to just show us what to do right now because we are yielded to you. We had church because we're yielded to you and we are obeying your word. And if somebody else has a problem with it, then they have a problem with God. Amen. But you, the Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil. A lot of people get into trouble because they try to resist the devil, but they are not submitted. If you try to resist the devil and you're not submitted to God, you're going to get your clothes ripped off like the sons of Sceva. Amen. If you never heard of them, go look them up. Book of Acts. Try to cast the devil out of a dude. And he said, Paul, I know. Well, Jesus, I know. Paul, I'm getting to know. I don't know who you are. And one guy took out seven. <laughs> That's... It should be, the Bible says that when God's on your side, you, one person takes out seven, right? Not, but if, if you're not submitted to God, then one devil will take out seven of you. But anyways, so it's, it's, it's so important to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. So then when he shows you, when he, when, when he says, lift up your eyes and look. So maybe Pastor Rodney will share in a, in a minute on, on some of this, but like he'll tell pastors, he'll tell them, drive around your, your town. Don't just search on the internet. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it for sale on the internet. This place wasn't for sale on anywhere, anywhere. We were driving up the highway, and usually my husband's the one with all the plans and the visions and the ideas for everything. And, and I'm like, we're going to do what? And no, I don't, not anymore. Just kidding. It just sounded funny. But anyways, in the, when we first got married, it was kind of, we're going to do what? Because he would spring things on me. Then he learned he can't spring things on me. He's got he's to speak to me, What's, whatever he's boiling over and mulling over in his heart, he's got to speak it. So I know, because I can't, I know he thinks I can read his mind, I can't read his mind. And so when he would spring things on me, it wouldn't go well. 
So he had to learn to include me in what he was praying about and include me in what he felt the Lord was saying to him. Amen. And then there's other things that he has said, even you know, publicly, over and over. He'd said it years ago. We can play tapes of him saying things over and over and over and over and over and over. And now we're seeing them happen. We're watching it happen. So that happens as well. But so, so anyways, uh, so you have to, um, so we're driving up the highway and every time we'd come back into town, we'd, we'd, we'd go on the road sometimes like 13 weeks at a time, all over internationals, all over, you know, 13 weeks out on the road, come back again, you know, change for the next season, summer, winters, whatever we're doing, go back out again with our three kids. 13 weeks, 14 weeks on the road, come home, sleep for three days, <laughs> get, back, get back out again. And um, we would drive down to the Brandon Mall and back up the highway, and he's driving and I'm just looking, and so, you know, every time we kind of drove up, because you, you can't see it so well coming this way, but you could, and now the trees are built up, then the trees were little, so you can't really see the property that well, but you could see the whole parking lot and everything, and I'm looking, and I'm just looked over, and there'd been fewer and fewer cars. I didn't really think anything of it. And then suddenly there was not one car. I, you know, we had been praying that we needed a facility. We were staying in the, we were, I mean, staying, we were living in, we were using a little rented facility, very small place, and um, hardly any parking. And, you know, and we needed, a we'd been looking and looking and looking and nothing was suitable at all. And there was a particular pray, prayer that I prayed to the Lord. And, and, um, and so, for, for, and, and it's like, you know, sometimes the Holy Ghost will put something in your heart to actually pray for. And you're like, why am I praying for that? But it's like the Holy Ghost putting it in. And you've got to speak it out. Amen. And I said, Lord, we need. And I, and I told him what we need. And what was crazy was we had been looking at land, and the land kept shrinking. Do you know how land shrinks in Florida? I'm talking about buildable acres. It's very swampy. So you can't, okay, it's 150 acres that you're paying for, but you can only build on 30. That's no good. Amen. So that's what, that's what we were going through at the time. Well, he has land, but it's getting smaller and smaller because you only have this much buildable. And we looked at this property and that property and the other property, and they were all too small. Or didn't have parking or just, you know, these warehouses that needed so much work. And it's like nothing was suitable. And I'm like, Lord, we just need something in between. And we, we spoke to ar architects and we told them we, we need a building that's got glass. We see an unusual shape. We see glass. We see... We see, I see a port cochere Rodney says, I, I see parking spaces and, and, and palm trees. We were talking about this place and we didn't even know it. That's what we saw in our heart. I mean, why would we say unusual shape? That costs more money. You just want to put up like a four walls. That's cheap, right? That's inexpensive, I should say, when you're building. Like, keep it simple. No, we wanted glass and we wanted a, in a, this crazy shape and, 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 and all the TV people freak out at the glass because it's all this light coming in that they have to contend with. I like it. I can see outside. It's like, I don't like being in a little box. I've been in so many churches where the, you just feel so claustrophobic because it's just everything's so dark. And anyways, so, uh, we, so we're taking the architects, all these things. So anyways, so I'm coming up and we, we were not thinking about this building at all. There was another building. The, the building also had a different shape, but it was, it was this place. But anyway, so we're driving up the highway, and I, and I looked over, and it just came out of my spirit. That's our place. I said to him, that place, look, there's no more cars. They've gone out of business. They're for sale. That's our place. 
I knew nothing of that in my head. I knew none of that. I knew nothing about that, but I spoke it out of my spirit without even, you know what, sometimes when you, you can say something out your spirit when you get your head out the way. Amen. And so, I mean, not that my head was in the way, but I'm saying, it's like I wasn't even thinking about it, and then it, the words just came out of my mouth. And, um, and he was like, what? And I'm like, call Dwight, tell him to get them on the phone. That's our building. Then it was up to the boys. I wasn't gonna go do the negotiating or any of that stuff. I had no, no anointing for that or function. I, you know, if you need to do it, God will anoint you for it. I know, I believe that fully. But he, needed, he had the anointing for that and he did. And this place, they built it for $16 million. We got it for eight. I mean, talk about people building things, two years old, two years old. That's a promise from God. People will build it and hand it over to you. They practically did. I mean, eight million bucks, they practically built it and practically handed it to us. Hallelujah. This place is incredible. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's on right where two highways are. It's, are, you, are you kidding me? This, this place... But God gave it to us. You know why? Because we, we poured our, our heart and soul and life and money and everything we had into souls in New York. And we, we did the same thing in Shreveport. We did it all over the world. We poured, we gave everything we had. We didn't have anything else. We have anything else to give than, than what we gave. But God, he told us, lift up your eyes and look. And then he blessed us beyond anything we could have dreamed. This place was so perfect, and it's been perfect, and it's gonna be perfect her. And it's, amen, and it's beautiful. And, and it's ours, and it will be, it'll be completely, and we're almost finished paying off the, the mortgage. That, that's another story, that's been a whole nother thing, because all these years still, we put so much of what came in into souls, so much, around the world, so much, that we gave and gave and gave and gave and gave, and it took a long time. Do you know, we did so little with so much, you cannot believe. When you see our TV department now, and if you know where it was, and where it came from, and for so many years, we did so much with so little. We had experts coming into, I'll come help you, I'm a big cheese, I know all about these things. They came in, they were a pain in the butt, because all they could do is complain about that we, they wanted to buy this and buy that and buy this and our stuff wasn't good enough. So we were like, uh, no, you can go head on down the road, dude. And you know, we just raised people up from the inside. They didn't, didn't maybe have all the training and all the whatever, but they had the heart. Amen. And the Lord just anointed them. I mean, I, I was talking to you about the lady, she was working for another ministry, and, um, and she was serving in the, uh, she ran all the big events, and she, she handled all the special guest speakers, and she never met anybody like Rodney, who was the same on the platform and behind the platform, and that's a shame that she could only say that about him and, and not about the other, you know, 99% of ministers that she had met. That's pretty shameful, right? They should be one way in the platform and then another way behind. You need to be the same everywhere you go. Amen. Because you carry Jesus everywhere you go. It's not a show. It's people's eternity. Amen. And so, and she just, yeah, but it was a God thing as well. And we, 
we, we just felt connected to her. So we didn't say a word, because we don't go to ministries and say, hey, come work for us. We don't do that. That's not right. And the pastor came to us and said, do you want her to come work for you? We were like, would she? <laughs> anyway, so she did. She came over. She started running all of our big crusades. And again, we had a handful of staff, just a handful of people. And she started running all the big arenas and things that we did. And you know what she said to us? She said, and she had run crusades for this big ministry and done all kinds. She said, I have never seen favor on a ministry like this one. I have never seen favor on a ministry like this one. When we get to heaven, we'll know what, I mean, we, we, we think we know what God's done for us, but when we get to heaven, we're gonna really see the hand of God and what he did for us. When you obey God, when you honor him with all your heart, when, when your heart, when God's heart is your heart, souls, the kingdom, hallelujah, you don't build castles, you build kingdom, amen. You love your brothers and sisters. You care. We're all the body of Christ. We're here to help one another, not to tear one another down. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to be a blessing. We're here to encourage you in whatever God's called you to do. Amen. You help us do what we do. We help you do what you do. We invest in you. You invest in us. We do it together. Hallelujah. And then God gets all the glory. Hey, because Paul said, I, I'm not it's not, you know, what do I, because they will, I follow Paul, I follow, I listen to Paul, I listen to Apollos, and he's like, Paul is nobody, Apollos is nobody, you know, Paul plants, Apollos waters, but God is the one who gives the increase, yeah. amen, so we, 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 we're not the big cheese, we're, we're just a piece of God's puzzle doing our part, and when we do our part, then the big job gets done, God takes care of everything else, hallelujah, but when you honor the Lord, He will put favor on you. He will open doors for you. He will make a way for you. There's, people can't keep you down. They can't keep you back. Don't look to people for promotion. Don't look to people to open doors. Don't look to people to do stuff for you. God will take you. Abraham was minding his own business. He wasn't trying to be competitive. He wasn't like, I'm older than you lot, but out the way, I'm going down there. Because down there was Sodom. Sodom was an oasis before God took them out because they were very naughty, very wicked, amen. He wasn't greedy, he wasn't pushy, wasn't in a hurry. He just knew what God said to him. Don't be ambitious in a worldly carnal sense. Have vision for what God's put in your heart. You must have goals, you must have vision, but it must be eternal, purposed vision. Not ungodly stuff. Not, well, when I say ungodly, not, you know, not worldly focus, but eternity focused. Because when you honor the Lord, He'll bless you with those other things that you'd like to have, because He knows the desire of your heart. He'll bless you with those things. And I remember us listening to a minister saying, you know what, God's so good to me, I just have to think, I don't even ask, I just think and then it, then it comes to me. And we're like, wow, that sounds pretty cool because we have to use every ounce of our faith for every dollar that comes in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. But the more you obey God in giving and you give and you give and you give and you bless of yourself, of your money, of your time, of your talents, of your everything, you give and you forgive, amen. And if people try and cheat you, you go, well, they need it more than I do, and you just bless them and you go on, because you know, they're not your source and supply, they can, they're not cheating you, they're cheating God, God will bless you anyways. You don't worry about it, you carry on. You keep your heart free. 
You keep your heart free, you keep your heart free, you drop it, you let it go. I love that the Bible says just drop it, let it go. When you, to forgive someone, you drop, you let it go. You carry on because God is on your side. If he's, he's the one that's gonna tell you when to lift up your eyes and look. Amen. And he's the one who's gonna tell you when it's time to go in. And he's the one that's gonna go before you. And he's the one that's gonna lift the protection off of those, the enemy. And he's the one that's going to go in and use you to dispossess them. Amen. Amen. What do you think is gonna happen when he says that the wealth of the sinner is gonna come into the hands of the righteous? Amen. A lot of people go amen, but they're not righteous. You need to be the righteous. Because it's for, for his purposes, not for ungodly purposes to spend it on your lust. Amen. Because God doesn't want you to go to hell. Amen. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. Amen. And so we, we need to set some things in our heart, some priorities, some some, um, what do you call those things, like the boundaries they have on the road, you know, guardrails. We've got to put some guardrails on our life. We've got to have some parameters. You know, God put some parameters on us when we first got married, and he said, um, many, many things he said to us, but he just said, don't make money the issue. Don't go do anything for money, and don't not do anything because you don't have the money. Just do what I tell you to do, and the money will be there. He said, I'll take you around the world if you won't make money the issue. He said, avoid the appearance of evil. Amen. He said, there were you know, covenants that we made with God where we, you know, we said, God, if we get to heaven and we find out we missed it, it's your fault because we give you permission to knock in on our life at any time and straighten us out. Amen. Amen. So God has permission to come in and, and, and straighten us out, and we're happy with that. We, we want that protection of his guidance and his discipline on our life because he disciplines those he loves. Amen. He corrects those that he loves. And so there were things that, that, that we put in place in our life for our protection and so that we could always only ever honor the Lord and obey him and do what was right because he's looking for hearts that are right. He's looking for the righteous. Amen. And it's so important. God needs you. God needs you. You know, this morning we were looking at how those, the Israelites got mad at Aaron and Moses, because they told them the word of the Lord, that I'm gonna fight for you, I'm gonna give you the land. And because of their fear, they took an offense. And they started attacking Moses and Aaron because of their fear. Not because of Moses and Aaron, because of their fear. Cain got offended with Abel because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and didn't accept his. Abel did nothing to him. Abel just did what was right before God. Because Cain's heart was evil, he killed his brother. If you don't fix your heart attitude, you're gonna miss out. 
You have to get your heart straightened up. You have to have the right motives. God wants to put things in your hands. He wants to use you. He wants to take you places. He wants to use you more than you want him to use you. He needs you. We don't rejoice when we hear some minister failing. Some people think, oh, <laughs> look what he did. He's out of the ministry because he was an idiot. You should never rejoice about that. We cry when we hear some guy blew it. Because we need all the churches we can get. We need all the churches we can get in Tampa. We, we can't hold two and a half million people in, on this property. We're happy to minister to them online, whatever, but we, you can't take, you can't, we can take care of this many people. We got pastors, we can pray for this many people, we can counsel this many people, we can handle the people that we have, but we need churches. We're not, we, we, we're not happy churches are closed down. We don't think we're better than all those people that closed their church down. We're, our heart is broken because they closed down. Our heart is broken for the people. Because ministry is not, the internet's fine if you can't get somewhere and you're overseas and you can watch and you can rewatch and you can watch it another time. It's, it's incredible technology. But people, you need to be able to touch people. And you need to be able to look at them, you need to be able to hug them, and you need to be able to lay hands on them. Amen. Churches, people, and touching, and, and relationships, and the Bible says even the much more when you see that day coming. Stick together, stand up together. That's, the devil just, that's how he, you know, he starts picking people off. Just pick this one off, pick that one off. Or he tries to take the leader out, and then what does the Bible say? The sheep are scattered. So as a leader, you should hold yourself to twice the standard that you hold anybody else to. We, you should always hold yourself to a higher standard than anyone else. And you do it for the sake of the people you minister to. Amen. Not, I'm the leader, I can do whatever I want to and everybody else has got to obey the rules. That's not how it works. Amen. Amen. I went from cleaning the kitchen to the bathroom to the living room to the bedroom. <laughs> Maybe the girls can relate to that. But anyways. So the, God is going to show you but the things that are going to defeat you are, if you won't lift up your eyes and look, if you don't believe God's word to you, if you get grumpy and offended when things don't go your way, or when it just looks like, it doesn't matter what things look like. Things are usually different from what they look like. Amen. And... So when, when God tells you to do something and then it, it looks like it's too difficult, don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at God when you're on your way, when, you, when you're in his will and, and then you get challenges. But God, you tell me. And look here. God's like, so? Just do what I told you to do. I'll take care of everything. But he can't take care of it while you're whining. How many of you have kids? How many of you know 
that you can't sort anything out while they're fussing and whining and crying and carrying on. Amen. Like they think they're going to miss out on something. And you're trying to tell them, look, no, we're not, we're going to do this, but we're first going to do, and they, they, they just, all they see is because you're not going to take them over there right now to do whatever they wanted to do. I mean, when Kenneth was two years old, we took him on some bumper cars. So he, he just didn't want to bump the cars. He just wanted to drive the cars. And he was kind of stuck and they, the rides are so ridiculously short. And these poor kids. So he was upset because it was a short ride. He was locked in. He had just got free and the ride ended. So the rules are you've got to get out and you've got to go back around in the line. And the line wasn't that long. We pretty much could have taken him out, put him back on. And, but he's only two years old. He didn't understand that. So he starts throwing a tantrum. And so what do you do? Pastor Ronnie reaches over, to the, over the fence, <laughs> grabs him, pulls him over. And the kid's like, he's too, he's, it's, he's unreasonable. So Pastor Ronnie had to get it, give him a swat in his butt to get his attention. And, uh, and this lady starts running out, rushing at him because he's like giving him a swat on the butt. And so his dad got in the middle of it. And, you know, so they had this big fight. And then, then he's telling the lady, yeah, that's why your kids are so naughty in America because you don't spank them. And she's like, you can't spank the child. And my father-in-law's like, mind your own business. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I dramatized it a bit. It wasn't that bad, but it was, what, you know, it's like, geez, what's the matter with people? I guess it was bad. Poor Kenneth. And I felt so bad because we wanted to put him back on there, but he wouldn't stop crying because he didn't understand. He had to get off and get back in the line. So, you know, sometimes we do that to God. We're so And God's like, will you be quiet? I'm trying to show you. Just you. <laughs> Hello? And you're so busy fussing because you're thinking this and God's trying to show you this. Amen. So just, you have, to, you have to get enough of the word into you to get a revelation that God is for you, he's not against you, that he's on your side, that he's working for you, that he has a plan and a purpose for you. But you're not waiting on him, he's waiting on you. He's waiting for you to grow. He's waiting for you to grow up. Some people have been saved for 60 years and they're still big fat babies because they don't get in the word for themselves. The pastor must pray for them. They don't want to use their faith. No, that's not their job. It's the pastor's job to pray for them. You big fat baby. You need to grow in the word yourself. You need to grow in your relationship with the Lord yourself. You need to pray in the Holy Spirit. You need to learn how to hear God for yourself. You don't have to wait. It's wonderful if Pastor Rodney gives you a prophetic word, but prophetic words usually are to carry you through some kind of opposition and some kind of tough time. So you don't just want prophetic words. You want to hear God for yourself. He wants to, when you're a baby, you know, a prophetic word's helpful, but God expects you to hear from him yourself. We're not here to say, we're not going to control you and say, you have to do what we say. We're trying to tell you, yeah, you see the there's the Father, you ask Him. You have a relationship with Him. You don't need to have a relationship with Him through us. That's, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of ministries control everything in everybody's life and poke their nose into everything in their life and tell them everything to do. And some people like that. They like being told what to do. Because when stuff goes wrong, they can blame the pastor. Amen. Huh? I mean, there's some churches, such a control spirit. It's so terrible. Such a controlling spirit. 
We don't control you here. If you want to stay, stay. If you want to go, go. And we're going to tell you, like we did with our kids. They want to, I think I, I want to do this. Did the Holy Spirit tell you? We didn't tell our kids, you need to do this. You need, you're the pastor, you're the singer, you're the evangelist, whatever. We're like, you do what the Holy Ghost tells you to, because they needed to hear for that. They needed to know that they were fulfilling the call of God because they heard from God, not because their mother told them, you're an evangelist. Amen. They need to hear from themselves. So we're telling you, you all are spiritual offspring, if you want to call it that. So we're telling you, what has the Holy Ghost said to you? What has he said? What has he said? People come tell Pastor, I'm going to go do this. What do you think? He's like, go do it. You already decided what you're doing. If you, want to, if you want someone's input, then you say, I'm, you know, I'm praying about this. Will you pray with me about it? What do you think? Amen. Well, I'm going. What do you think? That's too late. You already decided. So don't do stuff out of your head. Do it out of your heart. Pray in tongues. Live in your spirit more than ever in these end times because there's so many things that are going to come. If you, and don't listen. Don't turn the TV on because you're going to listen to all that fear, 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 fear. And then you're going to get offended. And then you're going to get offended at God. And then you're going to make some bad decisions. Amen. And then you'll end up in the wilderness for 40 years. And you'll die there. Right? They did. If you missed this morning, you have to go back and listen to it on tape. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't go through the whole thing. But we were talking about, you know, the spies and the grumpy ones, and they got offended, and so don't get offended. Keep your heart right. Just do what God told you to do. When we were first married, we'd already gone into the ministry, and we had a, some man of God that thought he was going to tell us what to do, and he uh, brought us in and started telling us, you know, we needed to go back and work for somebody else, and we shouldn't be out in the ministry. We were already out there preaching. And he's like, no, you need, to, you need to just be under someone else. And, and we walked out of there, and we were like, did we, have we missed it? Did, did, did we totally miss God and this guy? God had to speak to us through him. And we said, Lord? And he said, just do what I told you to do. So we didn't go back in there and say, you're a big fat turkey. <laughs> we, resp- we, just, we showed him respect, but we just went out and did what God told us to do. So you, you love people, show them respect, don't fight with anybody, you don't have to, you don't have, if, if, you, if it's your idea, you have to defend it. If it's God's idea, he'll defend you. Amen. Amen. And you just, you just go do exactly what God has told you to do. Amen. Father, I thank you that you promised that you would go before us. Lord, I thank that you go before us, we follow. I thank you that you are smoothing out all the rough places, that you are making our path straight before us, that you are leading us and you are guiding us. We will not go down the wrong path and we will not stumble, we will not fall, we will not turn back, we will not pull back out of fear, but I thank you, Lord, that we will walk through every door that you open for us, and I thank you, Lord, that you will lead us step by step and you'll make a way and you'll give us wisdom in everything. I thank you, Father, for even creative ideas, for things we've never even thought of before. I thank you, Lord, you'll open, you'll show us. I thank you, Lord, as we follow every little unction to go here, do this, meet this person, 
I thank you that you'll just make divine connections. I thank you, Father, that you just open up things to us. I thank you that as we lift up our eyes, you show us, Father, that eye of faith, you show us the land, and you show us what you have for, for us. And I thank you, Father, that we don't take our eyes off of that, but we keep our eyes on that, we keep our eyes on you, and we trust you, and we obey you, Lord, in every little step, with every step of obedience that takes us in the right direction. Lord, let us not put one foot wrong, but let us step every step of obedience. And Father, thank you for, for touching us, for doing the work in our heart and preparing us for everything you have ordained before. And you, you said that you've ordained for us to walk in holiness. You've ordained for us to walk in purity before you. You have ordained for us to, to produce good works. You have ordained for us that we would not be barren, but that we would be fruitful. Thank you, Lord, that you bless the work of our hands, that everything we do is fruitful because we honor you in it, Lord. We prefer you. We put you first place. And I thank you, Father, that, that you help us to see that people are not our source and supply, that man is not the source of promotion. Man is not the one who opens doors. Man is not the one who provides, but I thank you, you are the provider. You are the one who opens doors. You are the one who makes a way. You are the one who watches over us. You are the one who does exceedingly above all that we could ask or think. And Lord, as we just honor you and do what's right in your eyes, and we keep giving and we keep sowing and we keep trusting you, I thank you, Father, that, that even as Everything we have sown into, you've, you've given us back and you've blessed us with our own. Lord, everything we've sown into others, into other ministries, into other things, I thank you that you've, you've always multiplied that seed and blessed us back in every area as we bless others, as we lift up their hands, as we help them. I thank you that you bless us. Lord, as we become kingdom-minded, we become kingdom-focused focused and eternity-focused, and thank you that we just focus on being a blessing and, and giving and giving of ourselves and giving of our time and, and our treasure and whatever it is that we have that we can give. When we just sow and we do it as unto you, Lord, to bring you joy, not for any accolades, not for any reward, but I thank you, Father, that, that heaven, heaven records and heaven rewards. Heaven records everything that we do and everything we give, and I thank you that heaven rewards everything we do and everything we give. And I thank you, Lord, that we don't even have to worry about ourselves or worry about our blessing or be concerned with it, but Lord, we are just concerned about being about your business, about expanding and building your kingdom in every area of our life. I thank you, Father, that as we focus on you and we seek your kingdom, I thank you that you will focus on blessing us. I thank you you will overtake us with blessings. I thank you that you will just bowl us over with blessings. I thank you that there'll be such an overflow that we have to share and share and keep on pouring out and keep sharing with everybody else because there's such an overflow. Thank you, even Lord, what you've done this year. Thank you what you did last year. It doesn't make any sense in the natural but we are grateful, we are thankful, and we know, Father, that, that you are putting this in our hand for eternal purposes. Thank you, Lord, for the field. Thank you, Lord, for all of the, the television and the, 
the petabytes of stuff and the, 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 the increase that's coming and that, that, Lord, that we are not dependent, that the devil cannot stop us, that the devil cannot switch the switch off on us. But I thank you, Lord, that we will continue and we will continue to be able to reach out. And I thank you for each and every person that's watching it in this room and their sphere of influence and, and what you've called them to do. And in their corner of the world, I thank you, Father, that you use them in a mighty way, Lord. If they will not shrink back with fear, if they will not shrink back with fear, but if they will submit themselves, humble themselves and submit themselves to you and then stand tall on the word that you speak to them, I thank you, you will make a way, you will protect them, you will make that, you will just open up the path in front of them. I thank you, Lord, that as they are bold, I thank you that you will show yourself strong on their behalf. As they are bold to do what you have told them to do, to follow your unction, to follow your anointing, and to give you all the glory, I thank you that you will make a way, you will protect them, that, that the devil cannot touch them. And I thank you, Father, that as they are faithful and they continue to sow seeds and they don't get weary in well-doing, I thank you that in due season they will reap a mighty, mighty, mighty harvest.